Well, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy as we continue our letter. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and Paul's last words, last words to his beloved child in the faith, Timothy. And if there's anything that is going to unite us today as God's people, we have to be convicted. We have to be convinced that it's not going to be our position on mask or, ma- or, or no mask or on one service or two services or on vaccination, no vaccination. The only thing that can unite God's people is God's word. God's people sitting around God's word, clinging to God's word above all, clinging to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we read these words from the living God given to us, his people, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, excuse me. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Let's pray together. Oh, our Father in heaven, we are in in awe today, Lord, that that the holy, living God who reigns over heaven and and over all the earth, Lord, that you would speak to us, that by your grace and for your glory and for our joy, that you did not remain silent, Lord, you did not leave us in our sin, but Lord, you have spoken to us. And what a treasure that is. So, Lord, my prayer today is that you would unify the people of God. You would unify Christ's fellowship church around this word. Your word that is true uh, around the one Savior, the only name under heaven and earth by which man must be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we be unified around this and nothing else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going downhill at breakneck speed. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, wrote these words in 1887. We're going downhill at breakneck speed. And he wrote these words looking over the Church of England, looking over the people of his country. And referring to their rapid pace, the rapid pace of ministers and churches in England who were heading headlong into false doctrine and abandoning the one true gospel of Jesus Christ. These events have been come to be known as the downgrade controversy. It was the courageous time in Charles Spurgeon in the twilight years of his ministry, where he chose to stand alone on the word of God. He he chose to cling to the word of God, even if it meant that he was going to stand alone. There were all kinds of 
churches, all kinds of people who ridiculed Charles Spurgeon for his firm stances. They, they said things like this. He, he was making such a big deal about something so small. They, they said he was being divisive. He, he should just set aside his differences for the sake of unity. They said he was misunderstanding them. They didn't really, that, that they really hadn't forsaken the faith and that he needed to just calm down. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon, Spurgeon said. He said, a new religion has been initiated, which is no more Christianity than chalk is cheese. And this religion, being destitute of moral honesty, palms itself off as the old faith with slight improvements. And on this plea, unsurps, unsurps, or usurps pulpits which are erected for gospel preaching. The atonement is now scouted. The inspiration of Scripture is derided. The Holy Spirit is degraded into just an influence. The punishment of sin is turned into fiction, and the resurrection is just a myth. And yet these enemies of our faith expect for us to call them brethren. Charles, willing, Charles Spurgeon was willing to stand with anyone if they would stand with him on the word of God. And the sad reality is if you look at the church of England, if you really look at all Europe today since 1887, I mean, just look at all the, the churches that were built for gospel preaching to herald the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ that are now bars that are now nightclubs, that are now mosques, instead of heralding the name of Jesus Christ. They might have missed it in their day, but, but Spurgeon was a true prophet, and, and history has vindicated him. Brothers and sisters, don't, don't miss this. There's a gathering storm coming in our land. There's a time coming when people... Even in Bible Belt Bowling Green, we'll say things like this. Christ Fellowship is making such a big deal about something so small. Christ Fellowship is, is divisive. Why, why do they care so much about truth? Shouldn't it just be about love? The, the church, they just don't get it. They don't understand us. They care too much about the Word of God. Well, I'm thankful for the courage and the testimony of Charles Spurgeon. And, and I'm even thankful for these, these sounding alarm, this sounding alarm from the Apostle Paul here in our text. Because Paul's giving these words to Timothy that like England in the 1800s, he's given to, these to Timothy and Ephesus, which is another city that's going downhill at breakneck speed. And these are Paul's final words, just Weeks, maybe even days, hours from being beheaded for standing for the gospel. He says this, preach the word. Preach the word. This is what it comes down to. Just years after Christ was crucified. This is what it comes down to in 1887 in England. This is what it comes down to today and a hundred years from now. Here's the question, what is, what is God's people, what are they going to do with God's word? 
What are God's people going to do with God's word? This morning, this text shows us exactly what a faithful gospel ministry looks like. What a faithful gospel church looks like. And the, and the question for us is, Lord, will you find us faithful? Will you find us faithful? The first thing I want us to see in our passage, the, the first truth Paul shows us is the who of faithful gospel ministry. The who of faithful gospel ministry. Paul's final words to young Timothy begin with a solemn charge. And they begin with this weighty calling. And listen, you don't have to make, you can't make this charge any more sobering. You, you can't make this holy calling any more weighty. The, the language is like standing in a law court. But we're not standing before an earthly judge that's up there on a stand. No, he says we're standing in the presence of the living and holy God. Look what Paul says. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Paul is reminding Timothy, Paul is reminding us that faithful gospel ministry has an audience of one. Faithful gospel ministry has an audience of one. The, the faithful gospel minister remembers that every sermon that he preaches is delivered in the presence of God. The faithful gospel church never forgets that every Sunday, every service that we walk in here, we are meeting and gathering in the presence of the living God. Even every Christian, every disciple of Jesus knows that every second of their lives is lived before the presence of God. So that means that everything we do, whether we're a minister, whether we're the, the church, whether we're an individual Christian, everything we do is in the presence of God. So we live to please God. We live with an audience of one to please God and God alone. We don't live so that the world approves of our message and pats us on the back. We're not trying to live so everybody out in the world won't be offended by us ever. We don't even live so that the, the visitor, I mean, we're glad you're here if you're here this morning. We're, we're so glad you're here. But we don't ultimately live so that you're entertained this morning. We're not here to puff you up in the service today. And we don't even live ultimately so that the members of this church stay happy and keep giving every Sunday in the offering plate. No, brothers and sisters, never forget that we are here right now in this moment, in this very second, we are here in the presence of the living God. And so everything we do is to bring him glory, to bring him pleasure to be a joy to his ears, that he would delight in us today. And we long one day to stand in heaven and, and to hear him say over us, well done, good and faithful servant, not what were you doing. As one pastor says, it's very important to have your preferences accommodated in the worship service. That is, if you're the one being worshipped. One thing that 
used to happen quite regularly for me at Christ Fellowship, especially early on in my ministry, is I would be studying on a Saturday night, and I would remember earlier in that week that some visitor said they were going to be there on Sunday, or, or I would get a text message from a pastor friend. He'd say, hey, we're away from our church this morning. We'll actually be, they'd say on Saturday night in a text message, I'll actually be there tomorrow. We're going to come and worship with you. And I would be paralyzed. Like, I'd be, I, I got to stay up later. I got to rework the sermon. I was overthinking it, overanalyzing every word. I would be restless. I would be popping melatonin to go to bed. Some of you mamas know what I'm talking about there. Even one Sunday, I was preaching on 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrect, our resurrected bodies one day. And I already didn't feel very comfortable about the sermon. Like, like walking in that morning, I was like a level zero on the confidence. Maybe like negative two on the confidence scale. And I look up while we're singing. This is when we were at the shopping center. I look up on the, while we're singing, and I look over, and Dr. Tom Schreiner, the leading biblical scholar on the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote 1 Corinthians, the leading biblical scholar in the world walks in and I about threw up. I, I was literally like, Rebecca, Rebecca. I was like, Tom Schreiner just walked in the worship service. I thought I was done. But, but how, how sad is it that, that here I was, Paralyzed by the presence of a mere man. Paralyzed by a sinner just like me. When every single Sunday we gather in the presence of the living God. Every Sunday we sing and we hear and we preach and we gather to please our God in his presence. Paul's reminding our church this morning, faithful gospel ministry is about him. It's about an audience of one. When we remember that we are always in his presence, we are living in his presence, then we will live to please him and him alone. Brothers and sisters, the fear of the Lord is the right fear that overwhelms all other fears. Seeing God rightly high and lifted up puts everything else and everyone else in their proper place. Second thing we see is the what of gospel ministry the what of faithful gospel ministry he says exactly what we are called to do what must be our priority as a church he says three simple words to timothy preach the word timothy's charged with this one simple task but look he has all the authority of heaven and on earth all the authority of heaven behind him paul clarifies he says this Sometimes it's going to take us that we're going to rebuke them. He says, sometimes you're going to have to reprove people or correct what is false. Sometimes you're going to have to do this by being more direct and rebuking them for leading others astray. Other times you're going to need to exhort them and encourage them. You need to say, let's not forsake the gospel. He says, all the time we must do this, what does he say, with complete patience. Because you need people to be patient with you, don't you? But what I said at the beginning, I'll, 
I'll say it again. What happens at Christ Fellowship five months from now, five years from now, even 50 years from now, comes down to this simple question. What are God's people going to do with God's word? What are we going to do with God's word? See, there's a lot of talk today about deconstructing the faith. People deconstructing their faith. Maybe you've heard this language going around the internet, this new language. It's a a postmodern term about deconstructing what a verse means in the Bible or deconstructing what the church has always taught. And a lot of times it's just people saying, I'm deconstructing what I personally believe. I mean, if you put this word in YouTube, there's plenty of Christian music artists and former campus ministers and fallen pastors and former seminary teachers doing this all over YouTube for all the world to see and for a prophet. Don't don't miss that. And while you might be able to try to deconstruct your personal life, you can't deconstruct the faith because you're not the architect of the faith. You're not the one who constructed the faith in the first place. No, God has spoken. God has spoken in his word. God has graciously given us his word. And it's not to be filtered through our feelings. And it's not to be deconstructed by a culture that wants to be comfortable with sin. No, it's to be listened and obeyed. That's our posture. We're not over God's word as judge. We're under God's word to receive what is true. We must be convinced like the apostle Peter. We must be convinced by him, just like him. When Jesus says, hey, are you going to go? Are you going to leave like everybody else? And what does Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Are you convinced like that? Where else can I go? For you, Lord, have the words of eternal life. Maybe a great question to ask yourself. Why do I come here on Sunday? Why do we gather here on Sundays? Is it first and foremost to to be entertained? Are you coming to see people? Are you coming because it looks good to friends or family? Are you even coming to hear a, a man, a mere man speak? Or are you coming to hear from God? Are you coming to hear, thus saith the Lord? I mean, what if the posture of our church every single Sunday was the same posture of Samuel who said, Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. Every single Sunday, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. We want to hear the word. We're hungry to hear the truth. The third thing we see is the win of faithful gospel ministry. The win of faithful gospel ministry. Paul tells him when he is supposed to preach the gospel. And here's the short answer. All the time. That's what he says. More specifically, verse 2, he says, be ready in season and out of season. Timothy, you're supposed to preach the good news of the gospel when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient, when it's the opportune time and when when nobody wants to hear it, when when it's time of peace 
or when it's a time of restlessness, when people love to hear the word and when people hate it, preach the word. Let's be honest that it's growing less and less convenient to speak God's word anymore. It seems more and more out of season to even speak about sin, even in the church. It seems more and more like it's not the opportune time, it's not the right time to bring up hell, even on Sundays. It seems like telling people that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that you must deny yourself, that that you must carry a cross, that you must repent, you must forsake the world, you must die to your sins, is not the way to draw a crowd. But here's the deal. A faithful gospel ministry can't be built on what I want to say and what you want to hear. No, a faithful gospel ministry has to be about what God wants to say and what we need to hear. And we need to hear more than ever that if we don't repent of your sins, if you don't repent of your sins and put all your trust in the only Savior, Jesus Christ, then you will spend forever in hell. We need to hear the word of God in Romans 3 when it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to hear in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, when we deserved death and hell, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we need to hear the good news that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if right now you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It's not, this might not be what everybody's signing up for, what they want to hear, but this is what we need to hear. This is what the world needs to hear, the good news of the gospel. A church that parts ways with the word of God should no longer be called the people of God. So let me encourage you to be a part of a church. Go to a church where the Bible is a priority and not a prop. Be a Christian where the Bible is a priority and not a prop. The sad reality, Paul says, listen to this sad reality. Verse 3 and 4, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I think that time's come. The imagery is people can no longer stomach healthy doctrine. and Instead, they have a diet of junk food. A diet of false doctrine. I tried that in college, living off junk food. That didn't work very well. And it doesn't work well for a church that wants to live off false doctrine instead of the truth. And the imagery goes even further because he says, these people have no shortage of false teachers telling them exactly what they want to hear. It's a picture of them accumulating piles and piles of podcasts and books and preachers that'll give them what they want, that'll feed their passions and their own interests. 
Just tell me what I want, give me what I want, white chocolate mocha, two-pump espresso Christianity that's worthless. Thomas Oden says this, whatever idolatry is in popular demand will elicit, will elicit a steady supply of teachers of that idolatry. How true is that? Whatever idolatry is in popular demand will elicit a steady supply of teacher, teachers for that idolatry. So when our idol is entertainment, there's no wonder that sermon series have more movie clips than Bible verses. And Sunday gatherings sound more like Coldplay than an encounter with God. When our idols are success, there's no wonder that sermons turn into a TED talk with helpful tips instead of hearing the eternal truth of God. When our idols are comfort, there's no wonder we never want to hear about sin. We never want to be called to repent. We never want to be called to risk anything. When our idol is me, there's no wonder that sermons are about me and my hopes and my dreams and my desires rather than God's desires and his glory above all. Let me just warn us that if, if we ever sideline the word of God, don't be surprised that we'll redefine everything else to meet our passion. A church and a culture that sidelines the word of God will redefine everything to meet their passions. Sexuality, justice, gender will even redefine sin so that it's more comfortable than confrontational. I remember hearing someone say years ago he was going to a big church in Atlanta with a big popular preacher. He said it. This person said, I had to leave that church because it was too easy to stay comfortable in my sin. It's too easy to stay comfortable in my sin. Listen, you can find a preacher. You can find a preacher that will tell you exactly what you want to hear. Exactly what you want to hear. But you need to beg God to give you what you need. Let me just give you a clear application for our whole church. Pray this every single Sunday when you walk in this room. Lord, give me what I need to hear today. Be brave enough, courageous enough to, to pray to God. Lord, give me what I need to hear today. Pray that right now. Lord, give me what I need to hear. Pray earnestly. God, if it shatters all my idols, give it to me. If it humbles me, give it to me. Lord, if it exposes my sin, if it makes me more uncomfortable, if it changes my future plans, if it leads me to have to have a difficult conversation with someone, if I don't even want to hear it today, Lord, give me the truth. Give me the truth. So we've seen the, the who to faithful gospel ministry. And we've seen the, the when and the what, but finally he shows us the how. Verse 5, he says, as for you, while all the rest of the world, Timothy, is going the other way, he says this, Timothy, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. If I could bring that to our context, if I could put it on a t-shirt for us today, it would say this, keep calm 
and preach on. Keep calm and preach on. Timothy, you might have to endure suffering. They might not want to hear it. Your emotions might go crazy, but but Timothy, keep a good head on your shoulders. In all the noise, don't lose sight of the mission. Don't lose sight of the glory of God. Don't lose sight of the power of God for salvation in the gospel. Don't lose sight of it. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of noise right now. There's a whole lot of noise in our culture. And there's going to be a couple temptations for every church and really every Christian in here right now. One temptation is to to shrink back in fear. To live like we're defeated, to, to live like we have no hope, to live like we have nothing to offer, nothing to say. But people of the word know that God's word does not return in vain. People of the word know that That we serve a living God who sent his only son who died and who rose again and that right now the tomb is empty. We believe with all our hearts that we're not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation for those who believe to the Jew first and then to the Greek. So we can't shrink back in fear. But the other temptation is to, to fight out of fear. A lot of people are buying into this temptation to to fight out of fear, to lose our heads and to lose our patience, to take to social media, to to fight like a people who've never known grace, to fight like a people who've never been loved by God, to fight like a people who've never experienced his patience with us, to fight like sinners who've not been saved by his grace and have experienced his lavish love and gentleness towards us. Listen, we don't have to rush the capital. Christians don't have to rush the capital. We just have to return again and again and again to God's word, to God's truth. Listen to what Ray Ortland says. He says, if the weakest Christian in the world today were suddenly the only one left, God could revive his church. Think about that. If the weakest Christian in the world today were suddenly the only one left, God could still revive his church. Do you see it? Both of these reactions are out of fear. However, the problem is not that we fear too much. The problem is that we fear the Lord too little. The problem is not that we fear too much. The problem is that we fear the Lord too little. We lack a fear of God that overwhelms all other fears. A fear of God that makes us want to be faithful to him and him alone for his glory alone. As Ed Welch says, we have to stop living like people are big and God is small. We have to be a people that stop living like people are big and God is small. So let's let this be our final prayer this morning together. Lord, find us faithful until you come. Lord, find us faithful until you come. Even if the rest of the churches forsake your word, Lord, find Christ Fellowship faithful. Lord, even if great persecution comes from preaching the truth that's found in this book, Lord, 
find us faithful. Even if we keep sharing the gospel and nobody wants to hear it, Lord, find us faithful. Even if, like Charles Spurgeon, we have to stand alone on the word of God. Lord, may we with all confidence know that this is the safest place to stand. And may we sing it to the top of our lungs. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's pray together. Father God, oh Lord, we ask and we beg, Lord, that you would do a work through your word by the power of your spirit in our hearts first. And so, Lord, whether that means there's people here today that are unbelievers who are not trusting Jesus and they're following the things of this world, they're, they're seeking to be satisfied by their sin, they're bowing down to other idols other than you, the one true God, Lord, I pray that your word would cut them to the heart. And that even this moment, they would repent and run from their sin and run to Jesus. Lord, even for your people this morning, for your believers who, Lord, shrink back in fear, who want to fight out of fear, Lord, I pray that we would be overwhelmed by you and you alone. That, Lord, we would be overwhelmed by, by you, the glorious one who reigns over all. That we are in your presence that we would live to please you and to preach your word and cling to your word, even if no one else does. So, Lord, find us faithful this morning. Find us faithful to you and to you alone, because, Lord, we want you to get all the glory. And we know, Lord, that through giving you all the glory, we will get an abundance amount of joy in you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.